I've got a really simple message, and uh, but I just can't stop adding to it in my brain. So I'm going to have to try, and I'll probably have to stick to the notes, so we could be here till 2 p.m. You know, uh, I want to speak to us today. We're in our series on reimagining foundations and and what what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And here we are again. I thought I finished last week, but here we are again because I thought we couldn't do a thing on discipleship without talking about prayer and certainly without looking at Jesus as our example. And, uh, and we certainly can't do an exhaustive look at Jesus, but we can look at Jesus in prayer, I think, in, in a few broad categories that might just be helpful to us. So that's what I want to do. I don't know what your experience of prayer, talking to God, connecting with God, I don't know what that's been. I do know in more recent years, my prayer life has changed dramatically and it's probably hinged off just a couple of principles to me that I think I've, uh, I've either had shared with me or I've walked into and discovered. Uh, one of the simple ones is this, is prayer is anytime you're more aware of God than you. We often think prayer is like going aside, and, and it is. It's that too. But really, if you really want to look at the most basic description of what prayer is, it's any time that you're more aware of God than you. That leads to my second thought, and that is that uh, one of the most powerful things I've learned is to turn my thoughts into prayer. What I found is, and you think about your own life, we're really good about thinking about everything, aren't we? Your mind is continuously thinking about everything. And often it's problems and challenges. What a shame we waste the opportunity and all we do is the one thing Jesus told us not to do, and that is worry about things that we can't change. But while we're thinking about them, there's this fantastic little principle that if you can get a hold of it, when you find yourself thinking about those things, turn your thoughts to prayer. I'm no longer just thinking about this, worrying about this, but Father, I'm bringing this to you right now. This is really bugging me. This is really frustrating me. This is sort of creating fear or anxiety in my life. So I'm bringing it to you and I'm laying at the feet of Jesus. And I will not be at the mercy of my fearful thoughts, but I'll bring it to the foot of the cross and I'll trust that Jesus is going to have his way in this situation. Now, that's a simple way to pray. And it reminds me, uh, there was a great old man of God, Smith Wigglesworth. Who's ever heard of that? He's funny sort of a name. But many, many incredible miracles attributed to that character. And one day someone was interviewing him and said, Smith, with how God's moving through your life, you must spend so much time in prayer. And he said, I never pray for more than 30 minutes. Now, this is back in the days where people used to, you know, wear calluses on their knees. They'd pray for that long. And he said, I never pray for longer than 30 minutes. But then his next statement was, but I never go more than 30 minutes without praying. (laughs) And I thought, oh, wow. And of course, what we're talking about there is intimacy and connection with God. Communion with God. Like we've just had communion where we remember what Jesus did. But this is about like communion with God continuously. Why would it just be when we have communion? Continuously communing with God. And so I want to look at some examples of Jesus and Jesus in prayer. And maybe I'm trying to put handles on it so that maybe we can recognize some of the moments we're in and actually exercise our connection with God. Become more aware of him than we are of ourselves 
and our problems. You ready for that? You ready, Josh? You're keen. He's a good post hole digger, this fella. He's a good post hole digger. Is Emmanuel here? Emmanuel, I didn't see him this morning, but he is a really fantastic spray painter, if you see him. So those coloured poles at the school. And Dennis. Dennis was there too, but he ate more, more chocolate cake than anyone, so... <laughs> got to say too to the seniors group that provided morning tea thank you so much nothing like home cooked cakes and slices and stuff anyway here's some thoughts wrestling through the issues when should I pray when should I pray when you're wrestling through issues, when you become aware that you're in a struggle and there's probably no uh, more powerful struggle and I'm sort of starting at the end of Jesus' life and moving back to the beginning. Luke 22, he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw and he knelt down and prayed saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but yours, not my will, but yours, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. And when he rose up from prayer and had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. And then he said to them, why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. When we talk about struggles and wrestles, I mean, often we just think about external problems. I actually think the biggest struggle and problem we have is doing God's will. It's the biggest one I've had. When I think about my life, like most other things pale in insignificance, when it's compared to obediently listening putting my agenda on hold and doing the, the Father's will instead of mine. Without a doubt, that is the greatest struggle the Christian will ever face. You don't sound too convinced, um, but it's amazing. Have you ever felt like you're sweating blood over a decision? If you haven't, you've probably never moved in faith. Oh, I've never had a life like that. I've never had a turbulent life. Well, you should create one. If you're moving in faith, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. If you're moving in faith, you will get to a point where you ask, like, you think you could sweat drops of blood over a decision, over a moment of time, over I want to get this right. It's never ceased to astound me how I see Christian people make big decisions in life without including God in it. We, we marry we move towns, chasing opportunities, anything shiny. We buy things. And right there, I could just name three of the greatest pains I've ever seen people go through in 30 years of pastoral ministry. Where you are, being where God wants you to be, being with who God wants you to be, and keeping a little bit of a guard on your finances so you don't end up in debt that's overwhelming. Three of the greatest pains I see in humanity. And it's amazing how we see something shiny in the grass and even as God's people, come on, if we're honest, and I'm not going to ask you to put your hands up, have you ever actually intentionally tried to turn your back on God because you wanted to do something he knew you didn't want, he, he didn't want you to do? You knew God wasn't in it, but I want it so bad that I'll even turn my back on God. Oh, there's Emmanuel. 
<laughs> I'll even turn my back on God to, to, to do it, wrestling with the will of God. And honestly, I think Sue and I haven't got perfect lives, but I must admit at this end of life, I could sort of say that now, this end of the scale, Sue's not, she won't admit that. But the fact is our life, you know, every now, it's not that our life's perfect and we've had plenty of issues and we've messed up heaps. But it just keeps getting better. The trajectory that we set from our earliest days just still seems to be carrying us on a trajectory. And it really goes back to some of our earliest years and our biggest decisions, including marrying one another, where we were just determined to get it right. Lord, not my will, yours. And then it turns to gold and it keeps bearing fruit keeps bearing fruit, keeps bearing fruit, sustains you through every season. And I've seen that, you know, the decision of who you're going to spend your life with if you choose to spend your life with someone, I've seen that be either the greatest blessing or the biggest pain anyone's ever experienced. I think that's worth praying about. But too often I see we're tempted to turn our back and go, I just want them so bad, even though there's some things that don't feel right, I'm going to do it anyway. Good luck with that. Anyway, I think I've made the point. (laughs) So if you are in a big struggle, good time to pray, lest you enter into temptation. And the biggest struggle you'll ever have is actually hearing and obeying God. Hearing's not hard. It's not hard to hear. God loves you so much. He wants to speak to you. You only have to do is stop long enough and, and listen. He'll speak. What comes next is what's hard. Yes, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. I'm just encouraging you, hear and avoid pain. Hear and obey, and you'll save yourself a lot of trouble. You okay? Kai thinks that was awesome advice, don't you, Kai? Okay, here's the second one, is to, when you're you're facing a crisis, when you're facing a crisis, great time to pray. Who's ever faced a crisis? Just one or two of us. Great time to pray. Mark chapter 4, verse 35, 41. That day when evening came, he, came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There are also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Anyone ever felt like your boat was getting swamped? That's a crisis. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And of course, it goes on to say they were all absolutely amazed that the wind and wave obeyed him. Uh, First thing is, have you ever experienced a storm where you just seem to be sailing along in life? It's like a bit of a pleasure cruise at the moment. You're just sailing along in life and all of a sudden, I've got no doubt that if they knew a squall was going to come, they wouldn't have left. That story would have ended on the bank of the, of the sea with Jesus, uh, storm clouds, not a good idea. So obviously it just blew over the mountain as it tends to do apparently in that area. They're out in the middle of the lake and all of a sudden over the mountain comes a storm and boom, they're in the middle of it. Who's ever experienced that? 
Like most storms, we don't sail toward, do we? That's not our habit in life as people. And this one hit. And that could be in the form of a doctor's report. That can be in the form of a child who becomes another person overnight, whether that's the terrible twos or those beautiful teenage years that many of us are familiar with. That can be a quite a crisis when your business slumps, when your employment's lost, when a global pandemic hits and changes the way that we think about everything. Gee, I wish some people had prayed before they spoke during that. In a crisis, the thing I want us to notice with Jesus, there's not a lot of words recorded. And every gospel records it the same. Peace, be still. Three words. Jesus actually taught us about prayer. He said, don't think that by your many words, God's going to listen to you. That's how pagans think. It's a works doctrine, many words. Jesus used three to calm a storm. I think of Joshua. He used three. Sun, stand still. <laughs> Not a long prayer. A very, very powerful prayer. I, I love David in his response to crisis with Goliath. And his whole thing was, will you come to me with a sword and a spear? I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And for David, it was like, settled. Just a couple of stones and God. That'll get the job done. There's, there's times in our life, particularly in crisis, where we've got to release faith. It's not about many words. It's not about... Pleading with God sometimes. Sometimes you've got to speak to your situation. You've got to speak to your storm. You've got to release faith in it. You've got to believe God for change. You've got to believe God for breakthrough. And who knows, it doesn't always come the way that you think. I had an incredible breakthrough recently in a family relationship. I went to a psychologist. He told me I was an idiot. For three days, I didn't like him and thought I'd never go back. After three days, I realized he was right. I put his advice into place and it changed a, a relationship in my life. That wasn't the way I saw it happening when I was praying about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, God, there's gonna, a lightning bolt's going to come and change the other person. <laughs> sometimes you just got to believe for breakthrough okay here's another one so facing crisis ministering to others come on when how does the disciple pray when are disciples praying they're praying in crisis they're praying let me see when you're wrestling through the issues and you're praying when you're ministering to others mark chapter 1 verse 40 41 now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing, be cleansed. And I love this. Jesus was moved by compassion, reached out and touched the untouchable. And, and I guess... To me, I've always seen this as a very different kind of prayer. It's, it's ministering prayer. It's to minister or to serve someone with your prayers. It always leaves us with the question, where, am I, where does my prayer life intersect other people? In a very real way. Not in a, I'm praying for someone on the other side of the world, but I will reach out and touch you right now if that's what you need. 
I'll never forget as a very young Christian, probably a uh, little, you know, I, I've always never had a problem wearing my colours, nailing my colours on the wall or to the flag post or whatever, uh, even in the marketplace. And I can remember paint salesmen coming into the workshop and they'd be under the weather with the flu or whatever and I would offer to pray for them and, and occasionally, like, uh, they would think it was probably go say a Hail Mary. And, and occasionally they would say, okay, I'd offer to pray. Some of them would look at me like, you know, depart from me. But others were more open. And, uh, and it would be like, oh, yeah, no, that'd be good. And then when I actually took a step towards them and put my hand on their shoulder, it was like, oh, but I would pray for people in the middle of a spray painting workshop and let God or believe God to touch them. And some of them were touched. I'll never forget one guy that I had that used to really rag me about my faith. Every opportunity to get it, he dropped some little thing and he came in really crook one day and offered to pray for him. And I don't think he got healed at all. He certainly didn't on the spot. But I tell you what, from that day on, he never ragged me about my faith again. It had softened his heart. It had opened something up. I don't know where he is now or what else God's done in his life, but I know I was part of his journey ministering prayer disciples pray for people disciples pray for need to meet need as a matter of fact we recognize and you even see it uh in here that this whole concept of prayer who's heard the word intercession and we used to have intercessory prayer groups and things like that and probably is still some surviving somewhere and the interesting thing is is intercession is not necessarily prayer we tend to we tend to equate it that When we think intercession, we think prayer. But actually, Jesus' intercession, it wasn't prayer, it was the cross. It was his giving of himself to the world was his intercession before the Father. And so often, just thinking about that, instead of praying about things, we need to be the answer to our prayers. Have you ever been praying about something and thought, I think God might want me to do that? Lord, send someone. Well, what about you? What about you? Oh, Lord, I pray they'd get a meal tonight. What about you? And we have to become ministers of prayer. Disciples know how to pray. And they'll pray for people. And it doesn't need to be fancy. And please, don't freak people out. So in the marketplace, even though I was pretty bold and pretty young, I was always fairly discreet. I didn't scream over people in tongues in the middle of a workshop. I pray that, Father, I pray that you'd touch my friend now. Done. But that contact point was made. And I just think we can learn from Jesus. Move by compassion. Jesus moved. Man, I've heard your story. Can I pray for you? You know, a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned our, um, our neighbours <laughs> who are... Uh, who invited us over, and it was a bit of a prickly conversation, a little bit difficult, some of our new neighbours, and, and he's certainly not a believer, and we sat down for afternoon tea. It ended up being dinner, several hours with them. And, um, uh, you know, he started off literally by pushing back on, I can't believe all this, and I mean with a literal, don't believe any of that. By the end of the night, when we talked about some of their family circumstances, I was able to say, can I pray with you? Because I really want to believe that God is going to change that and open a door of opportunity for you in this situation. And guess what the answer was? Yes, you can. (laughs) So here I am sitting 
you know, at the sort of, you know, the neighbour who has very clearly nailed his colours to the wall that I can't believe, I think the whole lot's a lot of rot, at the end of the night saying, yes, I'd be happy for you to pray for me. And I'm just believing God is going to answer that prayer. And at some point he's going to come to me and say, you won't believe what happened. And I'll be like, oh, try me. <laughs> we pray for people. Finally, we practice personal connection through prayer. So big decisions and crises, encountering need and being moved to meet need, and certainly for personal connection with God. If you look at Jesus, he's the, the ultimate example of this. Uh, in Luke chapter 5, his ministry is going gangbusters. Word of him is getting out. People are bringing piles of sick people for him to heal. Luke 5 says, however, the report went out concerning him all the more and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. And the next sentence just seems out of step with the passage. Here's Jesus. It's all happening. This is what you came for. Light of the world. People are beginning to flock. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. It's like, Jesus, don't you want to be at the meeting? Don't you want to be there where it's all happening? It's all about you. And there was something in Jesus that he was always walking to a different agenda. He was always working to an agenda of connection with the Father. He was moved by needs, but he would never be driven by them. He was always, and, and we live, this is such a word for us right now. It feels like, who stole a day out of the week? Does anyone else feel like that? Yeah. I mean, I felt like that 10 years ago, but since COVID, I feel like someone stole another one. And we all seem so busy and pushed and driven to be here, do that. And, and that's why there's this mass, no. People just go, No. I'm out. I'm out. We were driven and burnt out before COVID. Remember 2019, we were saying, man, the pace, the pace, the pace. Everyone was out of breath before it. And then we had to dig into our reserves to get through it emotionally. And now the big buzzword in our society is resilience. Building resilience. Building resilience. And we're talking about mindfulness and meditation and all kinds of things. And those things aren't necessarily bad. They're just not Christ-centered necessarily. And church, if this is the only point I was going to preach this morning, I really want you to get this with me. You know, there are false props, things you can prop yourself up with. We do it by entertaining ourselves. We do it by overeating, eating unhealthy, eating, you know, to feel better. The experiences we want, we demand. Continuously trying to distract ourselves or prop ourselves up. And if you want to look at Christian tradition, if you want to look at the grassroots of Christianity, you see where resilience comes from. Jesus, three and a half years of intense 
ministry where multitudes were demanding him, where he's continuously had people either thrown at his feet or people falling at his feet with the greatest of human needs. Not only that, but facing his own execution. And as the writer of Hebrews would later say, for the joy set before him. And I'm just absolutely convinced it came out of this. When all of life was trying to drive him, Jesus always put God and his connection with God as an absolute priority. I'll be moved by need, but I won't be driven by it. I'll be led of the Spirit. I'll seek God. I'll be in his presence. I will go to the wilderness if I have to. I don't know what wilderness looks like here. It probably probably looks like a media-free day or two. (laughs) Maybe that's the wilderness for this society. But I will go into the wilderness until I reconnect with my Father. And you want to talk about true resilience? True resilience is God within. I want you to think about this. When you pray to Jesus, where is he? We know he's at the right hand of God. That's a pat answer. But I was always taught he lived in my heart. So you're not going to find God out there. Jesus even said this, kingdom of, kingdom of God, a kingdom of heaven, it's not here or there. Don't go chasing it anywhere. It's within you. Why? Because Jesus lives within you. If you're going to find God, where are you going to find him? But in a society that's so distracted, so pushed by need, so pushed by everything that's going on, the noise around us, no one, Jesus had it in his day and he didn't even have a mobile phone. And Jesus realized, I have to disconnect. I have to go to the wilderness. If that's what I need to do, I'll go up the mountain or I'll go to the wilderness. I'll get somewhere quiet where I don't have all this noise. And in that place, times of refreshing. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your presence is true resilience. And that's how how Jesus practiced it. So I want, to practice, I want us to practice it for a moment. I want to teach you something I learned a while ago that has really, really helped me. Is that okay? We've got a few minutes. Just right where we're sitting, I want us to practice some meditation. Psalm 46 verse 10, the very first part of the verse. It says this, Be still and know that I am God. Who's heard that? Ever heard? Be still. <laughs> Be still. Disconnect if you need to. Be still and know that I am God. Here's a simple meditation that I'd love you to implement into your life. This is so helpful. It's a meditation that goes like this. We're going to close our eyes while the strings play. And we're just going to meditate on this passage of Scripture. Okay? So don't freak out. This isn't some New Age thing. Where do you think New Age got it from? They probably stole it from the Bible as far as I can tell. Let's just meditate on the scripture. I want you to say to yourself, on the inside, be still and know that I'm God. Come on, close your eyes. Be still and know that I'm God. Be still 
and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Just stay in that attitude of meditation. I'm going to start dropping phrases off. You do it with me. Be still and know. Be still and know. Be still and know. Be still. Be still. Be still. Be. Be. Just be. And, and right there you have yourself in the presence of God. Just you and Him. We're human beings, not human doings. Not human distractions. Just be. And in that quiet place, We become aware of Jesus within. Christ at work in us, His grace, His goodness, His strength, His resilience. We're not propping ourselves up with distractions or even things that are good, but not necessarily God. You can look at me again. You know, for some of us, hopefully that was a good experience. I want to tell you, if you're feeling anxious at some point, remember that. Just do that. If you get all anxious, something's got up in your grill, slip into a side room, close the door and go, be still and know that I'm God. Repeat it four or five times, then start dropping the phrases off. Be still and know. Be still and know. Be still, be still, be still, be. See how you go with that. That's called Bible meditation. I will meditate on your word. And in all these ways, we practice prayer as Christians. In the big decisions, in the crises, when we encounter need and we allow God to make us part of meeting the need. And when we are more aware of Him than we are of ourselves so let me ask us some questions just as I close and the team could come back would be great just some some questions for us to think about our life of prayer our prayer journey because if you're like me it, it ebbs and flows pretty dramatically 
we shouldn't feel condemned about that. We should just, whenever we hear a word like this, we should think maybe it's time to reconnect. Keep it going. Life gets busy. We get distracted. You know what? God understands that better than any of us. Question about time. When do I bring my stuff to God? Can you actually say, yeah, I, I know when I do it. For some of us, it might just be, might be every half hour. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Might be at the end of the day, the beginning of the day, might be in the middle of the day, might only be when you're in a storm. But just identify the pattern of your prayer life. Where do I turn first in a crisis? Have you ever felt really dumb because praying was the last thing you did? Oh, gee, I'm so glad you're human too. I can see all these knowing nods. It's like, oh, yes, we, we, we feel you. Why is that? But let's just determine, let's prioritize God over comforts and external things. Let's, let's, let's take the pain or the crisis to Him first. How can my expression of prayer touch others? Maybe I could put it this way. You know, where is compassion flowing through me? Where is it flowing through me to touch others? And, and I think that should be every opportunity we get. That's not cake for special occasions. That's bread for everyday eating, is to minister to people, to offer to pray. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? Someone could say, no, thank you. No worries. I'm not pushing an agenda. I've got compassion for what I've heard. I think I could pray for you. If you don't want me to, that's okay too. I understand you're not comfortable with it. It doesn't have to be a big thing. But man, I have seen it melt so many walls of resistance just to say, hey, can I pray for you? Keep it simple. Last thought. Do I have an intimate connection with God? Do I know His presence? Do I know His voice? Do I know the leading of the Holy Spirit? Is, is that the pattern of my life? And can I urge you, if it's not, everything I said earlier about the presence of God and what happens? It's, it's not just joy. There is healing. There is restoration. There is provision. Everything flows out of the presence of God. Man, if you don't have an intimate connection with God, I'm encouraging you, develop one. Start with Psalm 46 verse 10. I'm, I'm, I'm going to lay aside the list of what I need and I'm just going to be. I'm just going to experience you. And as a matter of fact, when you experience God like that, it's amazing how you kind of experience yourself at the same time. Like, this is who I actually am. With all the noise taken out, here I am. And it's amazing how rare we actually experience that when we're just full of noise. Can I pray for us this morning? Father, help us as disciples of Jesus. Help us to connect with you, to connect with ourselves, to connect with others through this amazing spiritual discipline of prayer, of being more aware of you than we are of ourselves. And for each one, Father, my prayer for all of us here, myself included, is that we would just 
take another step on this journey of knowing you, of developing intimacy, of reaching out and bringing your life and and your love to others, of facing crises, of building resilience. Help us all to take another step of making quality decisions. Help us take another step on this journey, Father, in Jesus' name. And while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, hey, if you're here today, and, and, and maybe, maybe you've prayed a few prayers during your life, like God help me, <laughs> kind of prayers, but you've never actually really connected with, with the Creator and with the Master of prayer, Jesus Christ himself, then just right where you're seated there, right there online with us, you're able to make that connection in your heart of hearts just right now. You're able to to literally open your heart to the presence of God. And if that's you, I, I, I want to encourage you to take a faith step of response. If you're in the room, raise your hand. Even if you're at home in your lounge room, raise a hand up to heaven. And I want to pray for you. So come on, if that's you. Yep, that's awesome, mate. That's awesome. Others, you just know. Come on, that's me. I need to connect. Jesus, I just thank you for people that are responding to you right now. That you would meet them right at their point of need. They would know your goodness. They would know your love. They would know your forgiveness. They would know your presence in their life that makes a way in Jesus' name. Amen.